Welcome, dear listeners, to the Undead Symphony by me, Darren Smith, where I pick up and pick apart zombie movies and shows, sometimes with friends, family, loved ones, fans of the genre and those in the business. In this episode 47, I will be watching Paradise Z and Witness Infection. And let's just start by saying that my hopes are not that high. Let's start by thinking about origins, and it's not necessarily true, but I play a lot of games. I'm a gamer, if you like. I've always been a gamer since my parents bought the Acertronic 2000 back in, I want to say, 1981, maybe 82. Uh, Post-parental divorce, my mother got me a VIC-20, and from there an Amstrad 464, before university, where I had and shared with my housemates a Sega Mega Drive. Cool. Roll on a few years, and the first PlayStation, then the second, the third, and, and currently the fourth. And certain games for me, are synonymous with those different platforms. Tank Battle on the Acetronic console, Yi'ar Kung Fu on the VIC-20, Barbarian on the Amstrad, John Madden on the Mega Drive, FIFA of Us 1 uh, on the PlayStation 2, uh, and 3, sorry, uh, and recently uh, The Last of Us prompting me to buy uh, a PlayStation 4. But before those two specific uh, epic zombie-themed adventures, we had Dead Island and Dead Island Riptide, where you uh, played or picked and then played as one of two guys or one of two girls. The guys are hot, the girls are hot, and you need to survive the zombie apocalypse on a tropical island paradise. I thought that the Dugray Scott zombie movie, Resort, with a Z, uh, would be similar to those games. But no, although, that's not a bad thing. I really genuinely liked that movie, and I look forward to reviewing it, as I haven't done that yet. And so even though before I watched this Paradise Z, I kind of feel it might be a little bit like, you know, Dead Island. It might be. But we don't know. What we do know is that other people have had a poor opinion of it. It only scores 2.9 out of 10 on IMDb and 2 out of 5 on Amazon. So I don't really hold out much hope, but sometimes I feel that I like movies that other people don't and I dislike movies that everyone raves about. In the blurb, it says that sheltering in a luxury resort, two beautiful women try to avoid detection during a zombie apocalypse. After a devastating attack destroys their supply uh, reserve, the pair risk death in search of a new paradise. So it does feel, based on that alone, like it is the scavenging missions from Dead Island. So, let's give it a go. It only runs 81 minutes, so it won't be all that torturous. It starts with Milena Giroum as uh, Sylvia, and Alice Tentayananon as Rosa. 
Um, there's also a character called Brian, played by a guy called Brian. And I've always find it's cheap naming characters after themselves, often thinking that it's someone who knows the director-producer, is the director-producer, maybe the writer, maybe one of their siblings, who end up, you know, I'll be playing Darren. You know, I am Darren, and I am playing Darren in this. Ridiculous. Anyway, uh, everyone else, everyone else on the list that I can see at the moment is cast as the role zombie. We open with a black screen and coordinates. Uh, the coordinates are actually in Thailand at a, a resort. It's a beautiful tropical resort. Sylvia and Rose are sharing a bed. Sylvia looks uh, maybe Middle Eastern, maybe uh, maybe you know Mediterranean, uh, but she's American. And Rose is Thai. Uh, they are sharing a bed. Sylvia wakes up and she pees on a in a toilet. Uh, the toilet seat and the cistern are covered in sponge. Um, like a foam, like foam, to muffle the noise. And she puts the seat down and presses flush, which is brilliant. I mean, I've never seen that before in a movie. You're muffling the sound of things to stop zombies from hearing you. Uh, and then she washes herself with bottled water. And the lights are candles. And already, I like this, already this feels like a survival movie to me. And it is quiet. It is so quiet. Other than this sort of dull sort of atmospheric music just in the back of your head. Um, the rest of it's really quiet. And then it's Rose's time to pee. The one thing I don't like, though, is in the chalet stroke hotel room where they're staying, um, there's a net curtain. I mean, there are curtains, but they're, they're not drawn, and a net curtain kind of hanging in the middle. Surely you'd keep everything closed to keep yourself secret. And anyway, they're living in this deluxe-looking hotel complex. They leave their chalet, and they are armed with a pistol and a baseball bat. One has a pistol. One has a baseball bat. Uh, Sylvie's, Sylvia's got the gun. Rose has got the baseball bat. I mean, for me, you'd have one of each. Well, each, wouldn't you? I mean, I'd have a gun until it runs out of bullets, and then I'd have a, a hand weapon. And, you know, I wouldn't just go with one. Um, what if you want to attack someone from distance? You need a gun. What if you, your bullets run out? You'll need a, a, a hand weapon. So you need both. Uh, they move in silence in sneakers and cut off shorts, and it's humid. Uh, Sylvia um, keeps watch as Rose enters the bungalow and she showers there. Uh, then they swap places. Um, and there's a lot of gratuitous nudity. Um, the lady that plays Sylvia is a model. Um, you can follow her on Instagram. Uh, Milena Gorom. Uh, is it Gorom? Something like that. Um, however, she uh, she's a model. And there is gratuitous nudity of both of them shaving. Uh, shaving. Showering. God. It didn't get to that stage of them shaving. Although I bet they are, there are probably shaving scenes in the outtakes stroke director's cut. They go for a dip in the pool. 
uh, and sunbathe whilst keeping an ear and an eye out in case anything appears. They apply sun cream on each other. They do bikini yoga and there's lots of bending. They listen to music on headphones and read occasionally keeping an eye out. And then Rose says it's just another day in paradise. And those are the first words said in the movie and we are 8 minutes and 45 seconds in. They head up to the main building in the hotel where it's obviously where the restaurant was and the kitchen and there's food supplies and cleaning products. Uh, plenty of supplies in the fridges and the freezers and the cupboards. So they prep their food and then they eat and they wash up in a sink that's muffled with towels. You can see that the door frames, the, the door, um, the locks and the latches are also got towels tied around them. Very clever. You know, I didn't like they left they left a gun on the table by the door that was unlocked. But other than that, it's all very clever. This, this is how I would survive. This is how any of us would survive in a zombie apocalypse. Keep quiet. Have a routine. You know, I mean, I would have done slight things slightly differently, but the muffling is a very good inclusion. I'm a big fan of this. They eat outside before tidying away the table and the food and everything else. Um... It, you know, it's good, but they live in a different part of the hotel. Um, so they have to walk around the complex from where they live to where they eat to where they swim. Surely you would kind of try to get all of those things together. I mean, personally, I would move a bed into the kitchen area. I would also move all my weapons into the kitchen area. So all I need to do, that would be my HQ, which has got all my food and my drink and my weapons and, and is completely barricaded in a safe. So if push comes to shove, you can just hide out there. Um, they go to the main hall, which is, I guess, the common area in the hotel and watch, uh, watch a movie wearing headphones. Again, clever headphones. Uh, people would, the director and writer and the producer would need to think about those things, the practicalities. They watch a romance and ask questions about it as they go along. Uh, it's raining whilst they, they watch the movie and they are collecting rain in rain butts and buckets outside. Clever. Uh, there's also a, um, a trans uh, a radio, like a radio transmitter that they have. Uh, and they, they listen to the radio and there's a guy on there um who tells them that you know he's in this safe place this commune but he doesn't let people know where it is um or he does let people know where it is but he said there's a haven out there where the the zombies can't get to um however the zombies cannot swim so all you got to do is getting water because they're they're frightened of water it's a little bit like rabies and they're frightened of water uh killing them and the only way you can kill them is to kill them the way you can only kill zombies which is you know, destroy the head and kill the brain kind of thing. Um, and he basically, you know, gives a location uh, of, you know, a map location of no-go zones where there are too many zombies. Um, so I, I guess what we've learned from that is there are other encampments. They've got people in. They can communicate with each other. They know where the zombies are, but they're also trying to find the place where the zombies aren't. This haven. Uh, they stand guard as they take it in turns to have a poop. Then they do handicraft. Rose seems to be in Sylvia's muse. The two of them are clearly in a relationship. 
Uh, they microwave some chicken and they have a silent disco listening to music and dancing with their headphones on. As I said, the door locks have towels on them, which is very clever to muffle the sound. At night, um, they don't use torches. They head back to their chalet. Um, they still don't close the curtains, which annoys me, but there's no one around, to be fair. Um, and they talk about what they miss. Um, apparently, Sylvia misses driving, and and Rose misses fresh fruit juice make, made from fresh fruit. And then they make out in a steamy way. Um, already, this movie does feel like it's kind of like the wet dream of the director. Like it's his fantasy of, you know, it's a zombie apocalypse and only two incredibly hot women survive and live together in this, you know, luxurious hotel. But even they are stunning, uh, but they are scantily clad and they are more aesthetically pleasing than anything else. So it does feel a little bit like the director's wet dream. Next morning, Groundhog Day, uh, other than the different T-shirts. You know, because they're mixing it up. They go to the pool, they go for the swim, they apply sun cream, they do bikini yoga. And again, Rose says, just another day in paradise. They eat. They read. Sylvia says, I've read all the books. So they've been there for quite a while. The power then goes down, but then comes back on again. Uh, and then it's radio time. And Brian says, or the DJ says that he has seen, I'm guessing Brian is the DJ because he's the only other living character in the movie. Um, rather than two people that get killed later, but we'll talk about those. Uh, he's, Brian says that, oh, the DJ says that he's seen people turn in five hours and in nine, don't get bitten. Don't let the blood or the infected blood get in your mouth. The symptoms sound a little bit like rabies. You know, you, be, you, you become at the start really, really thirsty uh, you get really hot, confused, but then you're scared of water and all these other things. So it feels a little bit like rabies. Uh, he also talks about the no-go zone again. Uh, the girls agree uh, that they wouldn't let each other turn. and They'd uh, kill each other if ever they get bitten or infected. Uh, they collect the rainwater. Uh, they water their vegetable garden with the rainwater. And they do more handicrafts. Uh, and then it's morning again, and it is kind of like Groundhog Day in the zombie apocalypse. But it would be if you're trying to survive. I mean, if you take the zombie ap apocalypse out, because that's just a catalyst. You know, if you are trying to survive on a daily basis, it is routine. They then, you know, because the the, the dips in the light, they realise that the power, uh, or the power, the um, the uh, the fuel needed for the generators is running down, so they need to go and get some more, and so they have to leave the comfort of the complex. So they dress in military level, military grade flight suits, you know, like boiler suits, the flight jet suits, like they wear in Top Gun and the like. Uh, they've got a machete this time and a machine gun, so. Again, Sylvia's got the gun and Bose has got the handheld weapon. They've upgraded to a machine gun and a machete, but surely you'd both have a gun and surely you would both have a have a handheld weapon. They do. I see that Rose has got a, a holster and that, and that uh, Sylvia has got a knife in a sheath. 
Um, also, you know, upgrades. If if you're walking around with a pistol and a baseball bat to make sure nothing's got in your house, then why wouldn't you walk around with a machine gun and a machete to do that? Surely you'd want the most powerful weapons. Anyway, moving on. Uh, they based the, the the hotel complex is surrounded by corrugated iron panels, so much like you know one of the one of the many compounds in in uh, in the Walking Dead. It's made out of corrugated iron, uh, of which one panel is loose. So they open the, that and they head out. Uh, I kind of feel that Rose's machete is too big for her. I mean, she's tiny. Uh, so, and this thing is probably half the length of her, so she can let barely carry it, you know, and lift it, let alone wield it. Um, as I said, it's as big as she is, which you'll find kind of funny if you do watch it. Uh, and they head out to sort of like this, it's a garage where some of the machinery used by the, or would that would have been used by the maintenance guys for the hotel complex. And they go there to get a canister of fuel, and they find out there's only one canister left. Uh, they then ref they then then refuel and refill the generator, and head back. Um, I didn't quite get this bit um, because the panel was still open. I thought they'd closed it. Uh, they take a glass of wine, which I thought was for courage to go and check to see if anybody was there. There is nobody there. So they eat. Uh, they do more handicraft. Uh, we do see something from distance. I think it's an infected farmer wearing a farmer's hat, but we can't tell. Uh, they then go back to bed, um, and they, they discuss the fact that they'll need to go and find gas from a local gas station uh, for the generator. Something that neither of them want. They also have a boat. Uh, the The hotel is on a river, so uh, it's you know it's quite you know quite a wide dark river. Um, so a lot of the hotel is sort of like on stilts um, with that whole river view, and you can imagine it was quite nice in the day. Um, Sylvia wakes up, and Rose is gone. Uh, she heads outside, and Rose is sitting with her back to her looking out at the day uh, when she gets closer rose turns and she's a zombie but it turns out to be just a dream phew next morning uh, they both wake uh, up and nod to each other um, they are now going to head out and go and get what they need so they put on elbow and knee pads the kinds that you see the military wear they've got combat clothing so fatigues sunglasses they've got scarves around their necks and over their heads to protect their mouths and they drive a near silent golf cart you know one of those buggies where you know in very plush spread out hotels they pick you up and and drive you to your you know your your room uh they got one of those which has sort of been slightly fortified with slats of wood and spikes but it's not a giant snow plough at the front spikes and flamethrowers kind of mad max vehicle it's just quiet they drive out of the complex and they find a volvo that's overgrown with yards of climber plants i mean how long have they been there 
there they'd also drive past a minivan and an army truck and all of them have got their their bonnets or hoods open so clearly people have siphoned the fuel out and taken the batteries um this cart is electric powered and it's got car batteries at the back and they're already concerned that if they go too far they won't be able to get back but they venture further and further away from the hotel i mean personally if i was going to do this i would you know I'd, obviously the hotel is your base but if you have to go out further and further you actually make these like mini outposts so if, if zombies only come at night and you leave in the morning at seven in the morning by four in the afternoon say you want to be that's that's how far you need to be uh or before turning back so if you want to go forwards you need to find a place that you can find that's secure that's that distance away uh, and make that your next outpost and then when you get to that um you can go out the next day and then the next day and then you basically create this whole network of outposts and safe houses that all lead back back to back to hq um yes so they see a shuffler again they think it's a farmer it's in it's in like this field and it's wearing a hat but it's kind of standing there so it could be a scarecrow but i think it's shuffling so it's probably a probably a zombie farmer um as i said there's an issue with the batteries uh, and this whole thing does as i say seem to be very risky uh, they then go to a watering hole i mean they are almost too far away from the hotel their batteries are dying but they decide to go and have a swim together at a local watering hole where the water is clear and you realize the water here is so beautifully clear why are you collecting and drinking rainwater surely this is what you want anyway we have some slow-mo bathing again this is the director's wet dream um but then we see a man's boots and jeans as he slowly walks through the woods um the guys uh the girls sorry then go to a gas station to fill the fuel canisters that they've got so they can survive for longer back at the hotel uh without without leaving it uh sylvia has gone into the building to to check it out and two guys appear and they ask too many questions where are you from where are you staying you know you should come with us you know if you're alone we live we come we live in a commune that's nearby and you, you know you don't trust them from an off you know you know people who are surviving in the zombie apocalypse there are two kinds those who stick to themselves and those who are trying to steal stuff from others there's nothing in between there aren't any nice guys so um always be wary in the zombie apocalypse when it does happen always be wary uh sylvia appears and you think oh no you know she's more confident than the other two the you know than rose and and the guys are now turning to her both of them are armed both of the guys are armed and she's like hey you know i'll tell you what, hey really good to meet you guys really good to see you guys maybe you know we live in this really really lovely complex down the road a lovely resort why don't you guys come and stay with us she's doing this and the closer she gets to them she's basically flirting and being over the top about them sharing uh, resources and when she gets close enough 
She whips out her knife, slices one throat, one's throat, and stabs the other in, in through the heart as Rose holds him down. Very cool and very unexpected. Um, Sylvia then says, just to highlight the, the psychopath element, that was fun. Uh, the two girls of a heart to heart. Um, apparently they say, well, that could have been, you know, ended up the same way as last time. Um, and then, you know, when Rose, and Rose says, no, it won't be the same as last time because last time I lost a child. And then she goes and has a sulk, leaving Sylvia to do the perimeter check by herself and unload all the gas. While she does this, Rose has the flashback. And this is the flashback to what happened the day of the zombie apocalypse, where Rose is Sylvia's surrogate. And Rose and her husband are there with a lawyer who is making Rose sign all the paperwork about giving her child away to, to Sylvia and her husband. As this is going on, a zombie runs onto the scene and jumps onto the lawyer. Rose then snaps out of it and... You know, removes her armour before grabbing the machete and joining Sylvia for the perimeter check. As she heads out, though, not her machete, her baseball bat. I have to say, I'm 45 minutes in, and, I, and I'm not hating it. I'm not thinking it's a 2.9 out of 10 either. I kind of like it. It's kind of the sort of survival movie that I would make. I mean, obviously not with, uh, you know, the, the two hot girls. It would be me and maybe other people all surviving together. Um, but I'm oddly liking it. And like I said, it's nothing to do with the gratuitous nudity. So Rose sees this zombie. Now, I, I'm sure in the previous scene she did pick up her machete but she actually has the baseball bat at this point so she might have picked up the baseball bat she sees the zombie that's not looking at her it's about 25 feet away so she taps the ground with with the baseball bat the zombie then starts launching itself at her running at it. these are running zombies running infected uh and um wait, hold on hold on hold on If these are just infected, then, as we, they keep calling them the infected, and they're running infected, then that would suggest that they are living and infected by a virus, not dead. So what we know about the zombies is, if it's dead, take out the brain. If it's an infected, then anything's going to kill it, because it's still alive, it's still a human, it's just an infected human. However... Plot hole, but that's only from for zombie nerds out there. If it's a running zombie, it's not really a zombie; it's an infected human. If it's a shuffler, it's probably dead. In which case, the only way you can finish it is to to kill it, take out its brains. Anyway, the zombie uh, charges after her, bursts through the door, literally takes the door off its hinges, which is stupid and unlikely, uh, and then she beats it to death with the bat. Sylvia was laying on the bed, and here, here's the noise. So she comes out, and she sees a zombie at the top of the stairs, and she's about to shoot it, but taking far too long to aim for it, uh, when another jumps on her. Um, 
whilst Rose uh, is being hunted by a second zombie. So Sylvia um, ends up uh, stamping, stabbing the zombie in the head that's on top of her. Uh, she's then chased by two others, and she ends up jumping in the water. Uh, there's basically a lake or a river that they want. I'm guessing it's a river. He, she jumps in the river uh, with a zombie chasing her, and that zombie drowns. Rose puts a knife in the head of another zombie. Uh, and as I said, Sylvia's just killed another one. The two of them then realise that they have to leave. They have to leave. Um, so they decide they have to go back and get all their weapons and everything they can and then get the fuck out of Dodge. There are more zombies now in town, in, in the complex, including the farmer zombie with, with the hat. There are zombies all over the place. The zombie, move, move, uh, the zombie makeup's not really great. It's sort of like their skin is grey. They're kind of white uh red around the eyes and the mouth they might have wounds about you know the how they died kind of wounds uh, but their eyes are normal human eyes which i think would be not right they'd be kind of glazed but you know we'll see it, it is what it is you know you can't have everything and i said they're running infected um the, they, the guys then go back to go and get their weapons and i think they've acquitted themselves very well uh, they basically talk and say, how long will it be before we're completely overrun? And they say between one or two hours. They admit that they've had a good run at this location. And then they head off fully armed with their backpacks full of kit. They have a truck, uh, like a pickup truck that they go to, and, and but it won't start. Ponies, uh, the battery connectors, according to Sylvia. They're chased away from the truck by the zombies and they go and hide in a room they go through the room the hotel room uh, into the back where the balcony is over the balcony into the balcony of the next room and then the next room after that and then through that hotel room and out that front door um, so they're like quite a way away from the zombies um, they take out uh, take out some zombies uh, with knives, uh, with baseball bats too. There's a good scene where they, the two of them creep up behind two zombies. One clunks one behind the bat on the head with a baseball bat, chucks the baseball bat to the other girl who takes out the other zombie. There's lots of running. Uh, they run into a hall. They run into the hall where they watch movies. Now this scene was odd for me. They run into the hall. And basically, the room, if you can imagine, it's like 40 to 50 feet square. And it's sort of like, it's just imagine a square room. And it's got double doors either side into the, into the building, which are open. So there's double doors facing east and double doors facing west. The two of them run into this room uh, and then stop. Then they're back to back. One facing one way, one facing the other, with a pistol each. Now, pistols. You've got machine guns. Why are the machine guns? Why haven't you got the machine guns? Are the machine guns in your backpacks? Why haven't you got your machine guns now? Because a machine gun will have, say, 50 bullets. And a pistol is going to have at max 15. 
Now, the difference between shooting 50 and 15 zombies is quite huge. So what happens is we have the, uh, the zombies are coming in from both doors. Bang, bang, bang from one side. Bang, bang, bang from the other. Then they swap the directions they're shooting for no reason. Bang, bang, bang and bang, bang, bang. They're taking out all the zombies coming in from both sides. So none of the zombies actually survive coming into the room. They're doing very good, very good headshots, taking them all out. The girls then, when there's no more zombies around, run uh, to get into uh, in, into the boat. They go to the boat. Um, they, they knife another one in the head. They get attacked by an, another zombie that they also knife in the head. But they go, they go and they run around and they decide they need to get everything they need in a boat. So they, they dump all their stuff they can in the boat and then they make it to another hut where they check each other for bites. And if anything, it's a, you know, a sex rub down, if anything, again, from the pervy director's fantasy. So they're going to have to leave. They've got a lot of what they need in the boats already. They're currently hiding out, but the zombies are fucking everywhere. And they can hear the zombies trashing Sylvia's artwork of Rose. This would never happen. The zombies are not going to care about it. Um, so Sylvia, this is basically to give Sylvia something to look upset about. But given the fact that the two of them are still alive, there's going to be plenty of time for her to do more terrible art of her muse. Um, I honestly thought back at the back at the hall that was going to be the end and they were going to go out Butch and Sundance. You know, when they finally click out of bullets or they've only got one left and they end up shooting each other in their head, you know, as a la Operation Daybreak kind of thing. And now it's night again and the zombies are everywhere. The zombies are actually have surrounded the truck, so they can't go to that. Um, and they're also around the swimming pool. The two then make it to the boat, but as they're about to get in the boat... A zombie runs at the two of them. Rose stands up to tackle the zombie and both of them go in the water. But Rose doesn't come up. Sylvia looks desperately in the water, but it's night time and the water's dark. She's not going to jump in to see where they are. You know, but she could, I suppose. I mean, what would I do? Um, I would have probably jumped in after them. Uh, the zombies can't swim, so all you got to do is literally disconnect them from each other and then help Rose to the surface but Sylvia's in the boat she's looking sad she thinks that Rose has gone it's a very long scene again it's very dragged out but then Rose appears out of the water um, has she been bitten that would have been uh, the next thing has she been bitten no she hasn't um, we then cut to the DJ uh, the, guy, the girls are listening to the radio and the DJ at the commune is talking and as he's on the radio you can hear that the place is being taken over by bandits you can hear gunfire and is, that is always the way isn't it people want what you have so the girls decide and they were going to head to the commune no, not to go there anymore they will just survive, what, no matter what it takes, whatever it takes. 
they will continue to survive. As Rose says, to finish the movie, as she did at the start, it's another day in paradise. Um, the movie was... I mean, and then you see the boat just heading down the river with them with all their supplies, and obviously they're going to go and set up somewhere else. Uh, it was originally titled The Two of Us, which sounds a bit like a romantic comedy. Um, then it was Death Earth, which is an awful awful title uh, and also suggests that the the movie is much bigger than it is because effectively it was a hotel complex somewhere in rural thailand a river uh, sorry a river and then a road through some farmland that led to a gas station that is hardly earth is it it's kind of very small um and then it was finally named paradise z i mean it is kind of you can see why it's called Paradise Sea, because it is a beautiful hotel complex, and you've got two beautiful women living in a beautiful hotel complex, uh, living quite a good life if it wasn't for the zombie apocalypse. Um, apparently, it was an abandoned resort. Fuck, I'd live there. It looked awesome. Um, and it was shot in nine days, and that is the wow, wow moment. Um, nine days. It only took nine days to film that. I mean, it was put together really well. Uh, there was tension and build-up, and it was beautiful. And for me, as a survivalist, it had what I wanted in a movie set in the zombie apocalypse. It had routine, clever ways of, you know, hiding yourself and, and, and muffling sounds and all these other things that they did that I thought was very good outside of the gratuitous violence, you know, gratuitous violence, gratuitous nudity. Um, the acting was very questionable, questionable. Uh, Gorham, um, she was better than 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 the girl that played Sylvia. Uh, Gorham played uh, Gorham who played Sylvia was better than the girl that played Rose. Sorry, uh, she's a model. Um, I think they're both models. I'm sure they're both models. Um, and you really can't expect them to do a better job than they did. I, well, I thought it was okay. I thought their acting was, you know, six out of ten at best. You know, they're clearly not professional actors, but they did a good job. I think actually, um, Sylvia is in in Driver or something. The Driver, I'm not sure. Um, however, I thought they did an okay job. Uh, it wasn't so unwatchable because of their acting skills. And for me, this movie was far far better than the ratings suggest. I mean, I expected it to be. You know, a bag of shit with the poster is of two hot women in bikinis holding weapons, you know, with their back to the back to you, uh, surrounded by lots of zombie hands trying to reach them. So that's why I felt it might be like Dead Island, but it's nothing like that at all. Uh, I liked it. I liked the survivalist stuff that I hadn't seen before liked damping the noise using towels um i thought killing the two guys at the gas station was good in fact i thought it was all good um for me this was much more of a survivalist uh movie it still had gaps even if it was a survivalist movie the zombies were there obviously it was going to happen it's that whole classic it's basically you know each season of the walking dead they get somewhere, they make it their own, they live there, they start falling into a routine. They might have to leave there because one thing is, 
you know, there's not enough power or they need to go and find some medicine or blah, blah, blah. And then by the end, the zombies finally find out where they are and take over the place and they have to move, everyone has to move on. And that's what this was, effectively. Um, I'm going to, I'm actually going to score it much higher than they did. I mean, 2.9 out of 10 on IMDb and 2 out of 5, which is 40% on Amazon Prime. I'm actually going to give it five and a half out of ten so very watchable and watchable once i wouldn't watch it multiple times i don't think i need to watch it again but the movie is far far better than the ratings suggest and that was paradise z and so quite disappointingly and you will find out why on to witness infection Two rival mob families are transferred by the Witness Protection Program to the same city by mistake, uh, from New Jersey to California. The head of one family offers to marry his son Carlo to his rival's daughter Patricia to make peace. Carlo, though, has eyes for a co-worker. Uh, when people all over town start eating sausages that are infected, they turn them into zombies and the families have to work together to clear the town um before i get onto this uh i actually don't think the families work together at all to clear the town i don't think there's any clearing of the town uh, and there's certainly not any clearing of the town by the two families so that's a bit of a bad description there's actually not what happens in the movie um and i was just thinking back to uh to paradise z earlier uh, paradise z it has this description where it talks about how um when there is a what if it was there was a a tragedy that happens is the tragedy that happens effectively they ran out of gas in paradise sea because that's not much of a tragedy a tragedy is, is someone being killed you know or all of your um food source food resources you know going up in flames or being eaten by cockroaches or rats or something um running out of gas is not a tragedy Anyway, so in this one, yeah, that's the story. Two mob boss, two mob families uh, stuck in this, or put by the witness protection program into the same town in California, the same sleepy town in California. So off the bat, uh, the baseball bat that is, bada bing. Um, well, there are similarities, aren't there, between this witness protection and Cooties, the movie with uh Alison Pill and and uh Elijah Wood. We watched that at the beginning of this podcast season. Well actually it was in the last podcast season. And um yeah, so that was chicken nuggets that were infected, uh that turned the kids into homicidal maniac stroke zombies. Here it is Italian sausages that are doing the same thing. So not really all that original, is it? Uh, the cast, uh, well, what there is of it includes... Well, I'm saying that there was no cast in the previous movie. Hardly anything at all. A couple of models. Whereas in this one, we've got Jim Belushi's son. 
Uh, we got Morris uh, La Mercer, who is basically a... Uh, he actually did loads of voices, loads of animation. Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, The Real Ghostbusters, Rick and Morty. Uh, we have Brett Ernst, uh, Tara Strong from Loki, uh, and Erin Hayes from, from Children's Hospital. So it's not a, not a great cast, but it's a cast that have done things before rather than just being models and the affection of the uh the director stroke producer uh it starts with out in the woods and out with the woods and a nerdy uh hunter uh is in a tent with wise guy paulie and paulie is wearing this you know very over-the-top stereotypical uh italian-american tracksuit red one uh, and they're basically there and you know the the nerdy hunter is there because he says his wife has said you know we've got these new neighbors from new jersey who've been you know moved here so why not take them out hunting uh they go out hunting the uh the wise guy paulie is eating an italian sausage sandwich and as he's eating it oh his guts are are not doing him well farting belching coming out both ends the hunter's like okay i'm gonna go and try to find a deer so you stay here and fart and belch and i'll come back around and he does he goes out he's looking for a deer and then he sees a deer and then he, he can't shoot it he just can't shoot it so he heads back towards the camp and when he does he's jumped on by paulie the wise guy zombie who's now now turned into a zombie blood splats all over the screen uh not actual blood splats we sort of see cgi blood splats on the screen then we meet carlo carlo is the main character in this movie he is played by jim belushi's son uh he is a pet groomer uh, he's a pet groomer whilst his dad is a mob boss and his brother dominic is part of the part of the mob he is also a real wise guy kind of thug dressed up in the in the track suit with the gold chains um so uh the his dad walks in with with dominic and basically tells him he needs to marry patricia the rival mob boss's daughter so they can have no war between the two families and the because Dominic fires blanks, he needs Carlo. Carlo, Carlo needs to marry her so he can get her pregnant. If not, it's war. And then he moans that the FBI moved two families from New Jersey to the same town. Um, so apparently, that bit's happened already. The bit from the description has already happened already. Uh, Car uh, Carlo, um, as it says in the description, likes one of his co-workers. His co-worker is Canadian comedy actress. Uh, well, I can't, don't know her name, but she's playing a character called Gina. So, the food truck, we see the food truck that is uh, selling uh, the um, the sausages. Um, and yeah, so they're, they're doing great guns. Basically, everyone in the town is buying these Italian sausage sandwiches. Uh, everyone, literally everybody. But a few of them are already starting to feel intestinal discomfort. And we know what that leads to. Uh, the family, the, uh, Carlo's family, uh, is having a, a meal that includes uh, Patricia uh, and the local priest. 
and there are tons of these sausages too um the priest has eaten plenty of sausages and he's already in the toilets shitting himself inside out um he then takes the bride-to-be's confession through the toilet door apparently she stole her jewelry she stole her wedding dress and apparently she was involved with a hit and run but she thinks the guy's probably okay uh, the priest is obviously, you know, the Italian-American priest, the Catholic priest in, this, in the town, um, is obviously still scared of both families. So he kind of lets it all go with a say the Lord's Prayer and five Hail Mary kind of things. Um, yeah, he also describes going for a shit as, I've lost a couple of the flock, a couple of members of my, of my flock. Um, well, he took a dump. Anyway, so he, he accepts her confession. But it turns out that Dominic, the thuggish elder brother, or younger brother, really likes her. Um, so Carlo turns up and he gives his speech, saying, no, I will not marry this woman. You know, I think you should marry for true love. Uh, and not just because you're being forced into it, like an arranged marriage by your family. Um... So apparently Patricia again Patricia gets up and storms off. And she actually, um, her dad wants to kill uh, the, this family because Dominic actually killed Patricia's brother. Anyway, so Carlo is now in a spot. Um, he realises when he speaks to his dad that he has to go and say this man to man to Patricia's dad. You know, or there's going to be a mob war in this sleepy California town. Uh, the dad gives, lends him a pistol and says, you know, there's a family motto, one in the head, uh, effectively making sure that the victim is dead by putting a bullet in the head, regardless of where else they've been shot or beaten or whatever, stabbed, garroted, you, you name it. Always put one in the head. Uh, people, though, uh, start to throw up, um, including Patricia and Carlo's skank of a sister-in-law, Paulie's wife. Um, both of them run off throwing up, to which Dominic questions, do all women have this, the do all women have the bulimia, uh, as he says? Uh, Carlo then drives across town, uh, but what, he doesn't drive straight to the mob house. He, he actually drives uh, to see Gina, and he basically tells her that he is being forced to marry Patricia. The two of them have this unrequited, unspoken love, him and Gina. Gina then jumps in the car with Vince, who is a mutual friend of the pair of them. They kind of like they kind of like a threesome. Vince is. Uh, Carlo's cousin he's a wannabe filmmaker writer director producer and he's always walking around with a handheld camcorder um who is going to film the you know film the evidence probably Carlo's murder by Patricia's dad um the guys are driving along uh before but before they actually get to uh, the mob boss's house they decide that they should probably all go for a beer to to give themselves confidence Gina looks like to be fair she's had a lot of work done and she looks a lot older than uh, the main guy Carlo um, 
Which is sad, because she looks really pretty otherwise, and, you know, it looks like this weird mismatch because of the amount of work she's had done. Um, they decide to not stop at the bar, which is called CC's, because when they get to it, there's loads of what they think are drunk millennials running around outside, but it's actually their zombies. So they're driving to the winery estate owned by the rival mob boss's dad. Mob mob boss. Mob boss. um, Who is Patricia's dad. Uh, so as they're driving along though they crash into something and as Vince was filming it we sort of saw the camcorder move all over the place and then go black so the car was crashed we don't know what's caused it Um, back at the family house Mickey who's one of the other cousins has started throwing up the priest has started throwing up. And Pa, he's feeling sick too. And he tells Dominic that he's going to go up um, to to, to bed because he's not feeling too well, whilst the sister-in-law grabs the family dog to eat it. Uh, Patricia, um, her dad, now cutting over to Patricia's dad at the mob at the mob winery um he is also very gassy he's on the phone and every time he farts one of his two bodyguards apologizes loudly um so whoever's on the phone thinks the noise is coming from them um because apparently they've eaten the sausages too everyone in town has eaten these sausages the um as they're driving along carlito uh, carlo uh vince and gina hit a deer and I believe it's the deer that the zombie hunter killed or was going to shoot earlier before he was attacked by zombie poorly um, as they stop they look over and it's like there's a deer deer's head embedded on the uh, sort of on the hood of the car uh, and they see over by the side of the road zombie poorly and zombie hunter are eating the rest of the deer They panic, and the three of them jump in the car and escape. (sighs) Anyway, so the zombies in this movie, they are grey. They have this pussy... These pussy postules across the face that burst, and and green slime and black slime coming out of, you you know, on their neck and their head. It's pretty disgusting. So obviously these are infected humans, uh, rather than the dead. They arrive, um, anyway, the guys arrive at the um, the winery of the rival mob family. And Carlo tells the others he needs to head in. The other two say, if you're not back in 20 minutes, we'll come in and save you. Carlo says, I don't really need saving. And he heads in. He heads in and the Don and his two bodyguards are actually all feeling quite sick because they've all had the sausage. He lectures Carlo about, you know, family and respect and, you know, if, if it was about marrying the woman that you love, he wouldn't have been with his wife and all these other things. He's then going to kill him. Gina uh, and Vince... Uh, They then interrupt the potential murder, but one of the bodyguards just runs into the two of them and knocks them out. 
the three of them, Carlo in the middle, uh, Gina on one side, and Vince, wake up. They have their mouths taped with gaffer tape, and their hands taped together, but their feet are actually tied up with string as they're sitting on dining chairs at the end of this jetty. Um, the, the, the winery has its own pond-stroke lake. They look up, and the Don is heading towards them, but he looks really sick. Um, he's got pustules all over his face, or pustules all over his face. He's got oozing black bits coming out of where his, um, where his glands would be, where his lymph nodes would be. And he's about to head down and kill them when he's attacked by both of his bodyguards who have already turned into zombies. The other three managed to like kick out of their um, their string and then pull off the tape around their wrists and their in their mouths and and escape. As they get to the front gate, the zombie the zombie Don's zombie wife runs at them, but not at them, past them, and to attack her husband. Uh, clearly, they hated each other and they hate each other whilst infected. Two. And then the two zombie goons chase them off, chase, chase the guys off. They didn't get in the car though, they're on foot. Um, we see this great little bit where there's these two hitmen who have been sent by the Don to go and kill Carlo's family. And they have this great banter about, um, you know, we need to send a message. Okay, what does that mean? We kill everybody. No, we can't kill everybody because no one would then have that message. We need to at least have one per- leave one person alive because then that's the message we've sent and they will have the message. He goes, well, what if we, have, we, keep, we leave two people alive? He goes, well, that will be messages. And they kind of have this, this banter. It's, very, um, it's a comedy version of John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction, complete with the black suits, the white shirts, black tie, the same dialogue, comedy dialogue, and the ponytail. Um, however, they walk in, and they are ripped apart by the zombie mob family, because all of them have turned into zombies. Um, the other guys, Gina and... Carlo and Vince make it to CeCe's, the bar. Um, they're trying to find a way in. Vince wants to put a brick through the, the glass part of the door. But then Gina looks under the mat and finds the key. So the guys let themselves in. However, what they do do, which is really stupid, is leave the door open. They leave the door open. Anyway, they, they head in. Uh, as they're heading in, uh, Vince says, we'll barricade that door, stacking tables and chairs against it like 28 days later. Good reference. However, they then meet the shotgun-toting Rose, who's uh, Rose, the employee of the month, who works at the bar, who's now going by the name Rosanna Vengeance. Uh, she gives them a speech about not wanting to die like every other, like other black folk in these movies who don't make it to the end of the story. Um, it's basically akin to LL Cool J in Deep Blue Sea saying, Oh, I'm done. Brothers never make it out of situations like this. Not ever. Um, as an aside, I saw that movie uh, at a cinema in Jersey City and the, uh, the black fellas of the front... Uh, actually stood up and whooped and f- and air pumped, or fist pumped, um, when when LL Cool J, uh, 
the lovely ladies love cool james um so i guess it resonates with people she refuses to be the token death like like Yafet Koto in Alien or Samuel L. Jackson in, in Jurassic Park or, or more relevant to this, Dwayne Jones in Night of the Living Dead. Um, and she's pretty useful. Uh, she shotguns a couple of zombies who are in the, uh, in the bar, but then she attracts the others. Um, they don't see that, though. They have some shots. She serves the drinks. Um, and then they talk about how they got in, and then they realise they didn't close the fucking door. Like the absolute assholes they are. Um, back at the mob, the, back at the family house, uh, Dominic is still in the toilet with Patricia, who's been throwing up for virtually the whole movie. Um, and you know she basically sticks she looks up finally from the toilet bowl and she's turned into a zombie she attacks dominic and and he's basically gets up to run away and she bites into his calf you know taking a big chunk out of it and holding her teeth onto it and her dad and her dominic's dad and carlo's dad comes down with a shotgun and blows patricia or zombie patricia away back at the bar the three uh the four um, are there uh, three of them have baseball bats uh, and they're attacking the many many zombies who have charged in um, they, the three guys have got baseball bats and the thing is this is not what like watching Negan it's not swing batter swing um, Gina basically hits one in the face doesn't do anything hits another one in the face doesn't do anything keeps hitting the same guy over and over again until his head's coming apart but she's not killing him um Carlo smashes one around the head uh, to kill it. Um, and then Gina's being chased by another one while she's crawling backwards across the floor. It's crawling towards her. And then Vince stamps on his head and causes its head to, to burst, which is, uh, which is lovely. Um, it's, mostly, it's mostly just to get that money shot of her having tons of stuff shot into her face. Um, Rose explains to the others that it was the sausage, the Italian sausage truck that was outside. The people ate the sausage and then turned into zombies. Carlo then realises that his family have been eating that same sausage. Uh, Rose said she will stay behind and protect the bar because she is employee of the month. Um, and Gina lets slip that she actually loves Carlo. And then Carlo, Vince and Gina head back to the family home with the baseball bats. Um, I st at this whole time, from the moment he left the house to now, I do question what happened to that pistol that Carlo's father gave him? Where the fuck is the gun? Anyway, so at the time, they, go, they charge in and, Zomini and Zombie Dominic, or Zomonic as I just called it, Zombie Dominic um, has his dad cornered in the shower cubicle. So his dad's kind of holding the door. His dad's also infected. He's got sores all over his face. Um, and basically, uh, Carlo turns up to save his dad. Dominic Zombie jumps on Carlo and he's going to kill Carlo. But then Dominic, uh, their dad pulls off the toilet seat and uses it to garrot the head off of off of zombie Dominic. Something I've never seen before, someone killed with a toilet seat that way. Um, 
Carlo, Carlo explains to his dad that he loves him and talks about his memories of him. And then as his dad slowly stops being there and he starts turning into the zo- a zombie, Carlo, with the pistol, shoots his dad in the head. I mean, finally, he, sh- he actually had the pistol with him. Uh, we cut to two weeks later, and there's a cable news story. This de- uh, cable news new- cable news show detailing the story. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, turns out that the, the contaminant was actually human flesh that was found found in the sausages, um, found in the sausages, and it was actually from a mobster who was clearly the victim of a mob hit who was turned into these sausages. Um, Vince uh, ends up talking about, you know, talking to the to the news lady, the a reporter, trying uh, to keep bigging up himself and the town and his and his um, his restaurant that he owns and that he's a screenwriter and he's going to be writing the movie of this story. This is watched on TV by Gina and Carlo, who are back at work at the grooming parlour, where... Carlo asks Gina to marry him, and she says yes. Then we have one last scene in a local hairdresser that we haven't seen before, a local salon. Uh, The hairdresser arrives, starts unpacking his stuff for the day, and hears a noise at the back. Uh, He then goes into the back of the, the salon, and there's toilets there. He looks under the toilet... To, to to discover a zombie woman who attacks him. I think it's actually the um, the uh, sister-in-law, uh, Carlo's sister-in-law. But how would she have got from the family house all the way to town and into here? Because she was already throwing up. I don't know. It might not have been her. It could have been. It might not. It's difficult to say. To be fair, I don't care. Because this was awful. Um, it was rubbish. It was the premise was kind of amusing. Um, reading it at the beginning, before I watched it, you know, I would have thought we would have seen the mob. You know, the mob families, both of them have separate interviews with the witness protection program, and then with like different people at the witness protection program, and then somehow the two of them, due to some paper mix-up that we would have also seen. Uh, saw them being moved into this new town. That would have been more funny um, rather than just they're there. Um, that would have been better, I think, if we'd seen those bits happen at the beginning. So we could have had the mob, mob, the mob family rivalry. Then both sides go into the witness protection program and some comedy fuck-up puts them in the same town, the other side of, other side of America, where they, they continue their rivalry. Um, until you know they, they want this family marriage to go this this uh, whole thing um, the comedy really didn't hit very well there was some very poor characters very poor acting now I look, looked at the you know the resume of most of these uh, most of the cast and they're most of them like voice actors or they're kind of stand up comedians from Canada and none of them really carried uh the story well not even you know john or james belushi's son john belushi's nephew who is the lead and he's like dude you're the lead i mean i keep calling him jim belushi's son because i don't even know his name 
I didn't even look it up. Something Belushi. I mean, if you're trying to carry a movie forwards by having James Belushi's son as the lead, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I thought it had the premise that could have gone far. They didn't go far enough. There was very few zombies. Um, it wasn't a particularly much of the town, really. It was, you know, one house, you know, the, the mob house, the mob winery, the a little bit of the high street, the and then the bar. And so, like, five locations and the road. It just wasn't very good. I didn't really like any of the characters, even though we had... You know, if Vinny had been bitten or whatever, or Gina, it was a comedy that wasn't funny. Now, we talked about this before. If it is a drama, it needs to be good. If it is a comedy, the jokes need to land. This was a comedy, but not a laugh-out-loud comedy. It was kind of a, eh, kind of thing. Anyway, so, uh, how am I going to score it? I'm going to give it... Because it is a movie that holds itself together, it's got it's you know ninety minutes long. It kind of follows the story. I would give it four four and a half out of ten. I wouldn't bother watching it. I'm not going to recommend you watch it. So four and a half out of ten. If you say you know should I watch it, I would say in a mob voice, forget about it. And that was episode forty seven of. The Undead Symphony by me, Darren Smith, in which I saw Paradise Z and Witness Infection. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised by how good or how much of a survivalist story Paradise Z was. And I was incredibly disappointed about the lack of originality and quality in Witness Infection. Thank you.